about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back on the heels of a momentous occasion. It's the Four Horsemen Podcast. It's me, P-Wagon, joined by the lovely Steve. There's a lot to talk about today, and we will. Uh, but before we begin, Steve, how you doing? When I say I told you so, I just absolutely freaking told you so. I told you so. I told you so. I told every single naysayer, and you did too. The Four Horsemen podcast has been saying since the beginning one well we we thought that you know we were you know potentially 10 and 2 you know 11 and 1 team um and with with the exception of an outlier that's effectively what we were we are who we thought we were um and i said that you know you just you, obviously shit happens but along the way you just have to keep fighting you don't give up this is a, an incredibly talented team they still have something to play for. You have to just come out and just, you know, put in the hard work. You know, this we're not in playoffs this year, but at the very least, you can get into a very good bowl game. There, there's life worth fighting for for this year. You know, go out there and just play the spoiler upset. No pressure. Just go out and win. And they could do it. And we've been saying that, and we've been saying that, and we've been saying that. And the, the naysayers and the negative people who every step of the way have complained about Everything in between, of course, there's certain complaints and of course, there's certain criticisms that we could have. But this is you know, this is why I was being so positive. I've been very negative in my life as a Notre Dame fan, and I'm trying to put myself into a positive mindset going forward. And you know, I don't know if they, they consider that manifesting or whatever it may be, but you just uh, I'm telling you, I'm having so much more fun as a fan and I'm just enjoying life significantly more as a Notre Dame fan, just believing in the team and being positive and being happy. And and I, from the opening kickoff to the to the to the storming of the field and and well into the night because I was at a wedding, partying and drinking and having a great time. It was just a, a wonderful, happy experience for me. And I told you so. <laughs> it's hard being right all the time. Uh, I think in our to pull back the curtain a little bit, we have this group chat where this podcast gets extended uh, far beyond the audio. And with that, really, there was uh, a portion of the day, I would say, on Saturday where I was arguing with one of these fans. Uh, I don't know really what I said, but I, I got kind of pissy. And I, I told you all that I was going to log off the account and I was just going to focus on having fun. Uh, I didn't log off the account. <laughs> I stayed on. And let me tell you, football is so much more fun when you're winning, but also when you're, you have no expectations going into the game. I went into the game knowing they were going to win, but it was a lot more fun watching it manifest on the field. 
Yep. So, so much fun. And and that's the motto for the rest of the season. Just have fun. You got a noon game against Navy. You have a 2.30 game against Boston College. And then most likely a night game against USC. Let's have fun. <laughs> that's all I can say there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Because at this point, we've been through hell as fans. Whether you want to say it's just this singular season or over the past 25 years for me, 20 years for me as a fan, give or take. It's just, yeah, you, there, there's a time to be sunken and sullen and sad. And there's a time to just be positive and happy. And I'm, I'm positive. I'm happy. And man, did those chickens come home to roost. And I'm just so happy for, for, for the people that stuck by us and, and that were alongside us in this ride of, of just, you know, trying to be constructive rather than destructive in terms of criticisms and, and, and just being that happy warrior. So, oh, oh man, what a relief. And ju- just one more thing. Uh, we got to dunk on Dabo a lot, and I really enjoyed it. But this douchebag continues to just put his foot in his mouth. He, he four, five hours ago, I'm on our, our Twitter because my phone's dead. Uh, so I'm on, on the main page, and I haven't been on Twitter on the computer in seven years. Uh, so I'm, it came up on the side of what's happening. He's trending because this asshole says, I don't grow weary. I grow stronger. The Bible says that ain't nothing going to steal my joy. I'm going to do everything I can to not let the joy get taken out of it for this team. If people can't get on board with that, they're missing a lot of opportunity. Why bring the Bible into Dabo? Like, just say that you're pissed that you lost and you're going to have fun the rest of the season like we did. So, I don't know. I just hate him. Hey. Yeah. Fair enough. He's a frustrating human. Uh, but I do have to say that uh, LSU had a hell of a game on Saturday as well. Uh, it was on TV, too. And Jay Bramblett. I have to shout him out. He was a captain for the game, Tuscaloosa native. And he and John Sott, 1A, 1B, however you want to put it, were probably the punters of the week. Uh, They kept their opponents very far back. Uh, Jay was booming the ball. John was booming the ball. So as a a noted special teams enthusiast, I was having a hell of a time. And Jay hit one. It landed on the two-yard line. And then we blocked a punt. So there was a lot of special teams happening all at once. It was a... It was wild to have to watch both teams at the same time. Hmm. Well, uh, as noted special teams lovers, um, both were excluded from Ray's guys of the week. So uh, an and RIP Ray guy himself, um, the legend. But I'll tell you, the people running that award, they need to figure it out and they need to start reworking their algorithms. Agreed. Uh, I'm not above bullying the Augusta Chamber of Council, Chamber of Commerce, uh, who runs the award. Uh, just, just let you, let you all know I will if I have to. Uh, but we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about for the game. You watched it at a wedding. Uh, Dylan watched it in Ireland. I watched it in my basement. So we were very uh, moved differently uh, in different parts of the country. Uh, Wait, hold on. Yeah. We have a statement from Dylan. First time since Ohio State week, we have a statement from Dylan. 
Ooh. <clears throat> Benjamin Morrison. That is all. Thank you, Dylan. So let, let's start there. Then, oh, no, we actually have breaking news now. Breaking news for us, but it won't be by the time you listen to this podcast. Notre Dame is ranked in the college football playoff top 25. Guesses? In the top 20, I'm going to say they come in at 21. Wrong. They are at 20. Okay. Uh, so the AP got it right and the coaches got it wrong. Fuck you, coaches. Washington 25, Kentucky 24, Florida State 23, UCF 22, Illinois 21, ND 20, K-State 19, Texas 18, Tulane so, 17, NC State 16, not done. Okay, All right, we, Mike Francesa, we don't have to go 25 to 1. What I want to know I'm is... I'm trying to tell you, UNC is number 15 right now, and Clemson oh. hasn't been read off this list yet, so they probably are top 10, which is very okay. frustrating. Oh. Let me go turn off the oven. But as I go to do so, uh, thought exercise, what the hell has K-State or Texas done that's more impressive than Notre Dame? I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, uh, nothing. <laughs> that's the answer. K-State has done nothing. They're 6-3. and three. Texas is 6-3. and three. Notre Dame 6-3. and three. Of those three teams, Notre Dame should be higher ranked than both of them. Texas is up six spots from 24. K-State's down uh, from 13, Notre Dame should be the 18th team in the nation right now. Uh, I'll give Tulane their 8-1, 17th ranking, whatever. But really, Notre Dame deserves a higher ranking than it. And I think they'll get it. They beat Navy. They beat BC. They beat USC, which they're going to win all three. Uh, they they will be – they'll be up there. Uh, Clemson did fall from number four to number 10 uh, after the loss to Notre Dame. So – with that, we dropped them a ton of spots there, so that's always a good thing. Uh, Alabama also in at nine. I feel like I'm talking to an empty room right now. I'm not sure if Steve nope. can hear this. I'm back. He's there, good. Uh, his house is not burning down. So it looks like Clemson ten, Bama nine. Uh, yeah. So. So, I yeah, I, I do wholeheartedly agree, though, and that's why I asked the question, because who, who is the best six, th- six and three team in the country? Because of the three choices, you have K-State, you have Texas, you have Notre Dame. I, I mean, it's crazy to think that Notre Dame is not the, the best team in the country. Like, yeah. like te- Texas's best game was a loss at, at, against Alabama, who Alabama is, looks weaker than ever. And same with K-State. K-State blew the doors off of Oklahoma. I don't even know if Oklahoma is going to be bowl eligible this year. <laughs> so uh, what are we talking about? Why is ND not ranked 18th? Um, I mean, I, again, we, you know, we are going to knock on wood, go 9-3, and three, and, and you know, things will kind of sort itself out at the end of the year. Kind of the point I wanted to be made is is we're, we're definitely the best 6-3 six, six and three team in the country, and the other two have a dog shit resume comparatively. And USC is coming in at eight, so Notre Dame gets to wreck another season uh, very soon. I, I'm horny for it. So let's uh, let's not talk about the the rankings because everyone's going to see it, and I'm sure we'll have opinions on it online. Uh, but let's talk about Ben Morrison. Let's let's talk about the game. Uh, our defense was very good. Our offense <laughs> was our offense. They were sufficient. Um, yeah, they they did their job. And there's this rhetoric out there 
Notre Dame shouldn't have won that game because they only scored 21 points offensively. And one of them was set up by an interception on the 10. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> That's... I, I, try, I try not to swear, but who really fucking cares where you get the ball from? Well, that means That's... that Tom Brady should have, you should take two of Tom Brady's Super Bowl victories away because, you know, he should have never, you know, if the Atlanta Falcons ran on second and eight, or if the uh, the Seahawks ran on on first and goal or second and goal with Marshawn Lynch, then both of those Super Bowls would have gone the other way. So therefore, by the by the logic of oh, you have a really good defense that set up your offense, therefore you're not playing football. Like what what logic is that? Like are you watching cricket? Are you watching like like what what sport are you watching? It's like yeah, your defense sets up your offense, your special teams contributes if you have a good special teams your special teams can fuck you if you don't have a good special teams shout out nick saban so it's like are we only is is offense the only part of the game that that's played and furthermore is there not a saying that defense wins championships like once again i have to ask am i watching the same sport as the people who purportedly are diehard fans of this sport, but just like in, in the brains that they have, they're just like, the game doesn't matter. Special teams don't matter in their brains, which is just insane. They're brainless zombies. And, uh, just overall, like it's, it's, it's mindless. Aldrich SMA had 104 yards. Dids had 114 yards. That's 218 yards of rushing offense and and somehow they're trying to discredit Notre Dame because we had good field position yeah oh well our defense played too good so therefore the win's invalid oh only, uh, only oh, one, okay only one wide receiver caught a ball like the goalpost <laughs> continually gets moved Notre Dame wins Clemson's not that good Notre Dame wins by a lot Oh, Clemson, you, you didn't throw to enough receivers. Like, what the? <laughs> That's yeah. 40 mile an hour wins. Like, I, I'm just so frustrated at the fan base. And I'm going off on a little tangent here, but like. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's the same people that will complain that we, you know, th- threw the ball 40, 50 times in a hurricane at Clemson and weren't able to move the ball there are mad that it was wicked windy. And we decided to run the ball and put up 263 yards of rushing defense uh, of rushing offense, like and and yet again like the Michigan game a couple of years ago where uh, you know we we kind of got waxed. Michigan didn't run didn't pass the ball. They ran the ball down our throat all all game. Literally, it's the same thing. We did the same thing, and people can't be happy about it. So I don't know. I'm done caring about you know people. In, in you know just the the general milieu online of the negativity, all people just bitch moaning and complaining. Just going full circle to the to the start of the conversation at the very beginning. I am just choosing happiness. I'm choosing to be content and happy and take in the moments and just and just be satisfied with what we have. My my favorite thing is people continually bring up Stanford and Marshall. I don't care. Uh, and people are saying, oh, Drew Pine had to run the ball because he couldn't throw it in the red zone. I don't care. <laughs> At the end of the day, I just don't care. No, Drew Pine can throw it, throw it in, into the, the end zone and the red zone because we saw him do it. 
Yeah, no, but he ran the ball once. Yeah, no. So if, if he threw the ball three feet and it landed in somebody's hands and they scored a touchdown, good. If he runs the, fo- the ball three feet across the end zone, bad. Okay. Do you all understand how stupid you sound by us saying this? Like, we're not even talking about the game, which was arguably one of the best games of the year because of how stupid everyone's being. Yeah, it's it's pathetic. <laughs> so, real real quick, uh, Mayer, four catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown. Buffalo had a block punt. Prince Colley had a return. Benjamin Morrison uh, played every position on the field. There may have been four of them on the field at once. Uh, Drew Pine was efficient. He did what he had to do. John Sott, three punts inside the 10-1 that the wind caught and brought it back for a touchback. Uh, and then we also won the fight at halftime. Uh, that was the dumbest thing for that tackle to do. Right before half, trying to start a fight. What, what are you trying to do, rile up your teammates? Yeah, I mean, when, when you're having the doors blown off you, what it, was it? No, no, it was only 14 nothing at halftime. It was wasn't even nothing. 21. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, down 14 nothing. I guess they're trying to light a spark. I don't know. Just, of course, classless. Just, ugh. And I, I'm not even going to lend any credence to the, the booth. The booth was bad uh, the entire game. It wasn't even fun to listen to. I, I think I might just have to like, put, put on a radio broadcast or something uh, because of how bad it was. I, I'm doing my watch back on Peacock. Um, I, I, again, I was streaming at a at a wedding, so obviously I didn't really hear anything. Um, I, so far through the first half, I would say the booth was mildly annoying. I'll report back on the second half. It it gets really bad. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that. And I, I gave hand up. I said it was Jason Garrett's fault. It was actually Jack Collinsworth, uh, but they're both equally just bad. Uh, so that there's that. Um, we outrushed the Tigers 263 to 90, uh, which is a, a lot of runs. Uh, we didn't shut them out. Whatever. Uh, the the refereeing could have done a lot better uh, as well. And overall, it was a fun game. It wasn't as fun as the first win. If it, let, let me try to rationalize this here. It wasn't as fun as the first win because the first win we were trying to just get the monkey off our back and do the, and I, I cried. I, I might've been a little bit more drunk for that. Uh, the second win, it was just an ass beating and it was, it wasn't as fun, but it was more enjoyable. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in, in my, I, yeah, I, I guess uh, that makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, the first game, I don't know. I don't definitely not enjoyable. The the 2020 game was it was zero percent enjoyable. It was pretty much, you know, start to finish. I was panicking the entire time. And then all of a sudden, you know, DJ throws up that fourth down, like three yard Hail Mary and whatever. And, and then we won. And then it was just pure elation. Um, whereas this. Pretty much once we went up 21 nothing, it was just like, oh, my God, it's happening. And then once uh, once BMO returned that pick for uh, for the, you know, the pick six, we go up 28 nothing. It was just like I'm with all of my closest friends from high school. I'm in Newport, Rhode Island. It's open bar, cigars, whiskey. You know, my you know, I'm hanging out on the back deck. 
It's you know, I'm I'm streaming it. It's twenty eight nothing. I'm just like I was just like content with life. It was I was just happy and I had energy and like just things were just good. Life was just good. So yes, this was a significantly more enjoyable experience. But I guess if you're going with pure fun, I don't know. Just hey, guess what? Last last two times Clemson came to, to Notre Dame Stadium and ranked as a top five team. We won both times, and I can't figure out which one I enjoyed more. It's first world problems, baby. Love it. Uh, and then we have to talk about Tommy Reese. He came down from the booth uh, to celebrate on the field. Uh, he's quoted 18 minutes ago saying, uh, I said, screw it, I'm coming down. I told Gerard Parker, if I don't make it, call duo which was the play they were running all night on Clemson. So he just defaulted to that. He knew what he was doing. Uh, that might be the quote of the year from Tommy Reese. Uh, so that that's all I got. It was a fun game. You all saw the game. We're not going to really rehash any uh, bid stats there. So there we go. Any last comments about Clemson? Uh, Jesus, you're making me... Run back and forth between the kitchen and everything. Last thoughts on Clemson. Um, you know, it, it just it felt good to really impose our will. Offensive line was absolutely incredible. Defensive line was incredible. This secondary is legit. Um, and of course, you know, DJ is is you know not not the five star or or as incredible as as you know uh, originally purported. Uh, you know, coming out of high school, he's just not playing up to snuff, but. Um, you know, you got to think that this secondary, the emergence of BMO, uh, and, and the rest of this team, like they're flying around, everyone's playing really, really good. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's going to give us a real good chance to, to <laughs> potentially wax USC and really put the rest of the college football world on notice. Closing thoughts. Uh, yeah. USC only beat Cal by less than a touchdown. So, uh, we beat them by a touchdown. So, you know. It, it is what it is. Clemson's over. We can book, put a pin uh, in them. We don't have to talk about them again. Uh, before we get to, into our mailbag, we do have the bowl projection. We're finally bowl eligible, so we can actually talk about it. Uh, the Holiday Bowl versus Utah seems to be the favorite of the pundits. Uh, I am pulling for the Dutes Mayo Bowl, the seventh New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, some asshole put in the Camellia Bowl. Uh, versus Liberty, which I, I wouldn't watch. I just <laughs> just wouldn't do it uh, if they play in that that bowl. Uh, look, looking like Gator Bowl versus Florida, potentially the Rely Quest uh, Bowl against Kentucky. And then the Sporting News has us in the 7th New Year's Six Bowl, uh, Dutes Mayo Bowl versus Minnesota. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. We'll see what happens. You win a couple more games, start getting better bowls. Uh, some chaos has to ha- happen, but uh, we'll see. That's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not even going to bother commenting on the teams or the matchups or anything because so much is going to change over the next, you know, course of the next couple of weeks. So um, I guess the only thought exercise I wanted to go through with you is if we end up nine and three, if, you know, that would mean that we would have beaten two top 10 teams and four top 25 teams, nine and three as the University of Notre Dame, who came in as a preseason number five team. Do you think with that resume, and of course we know the losses, 
everyone's very aware. Do we foresee a New Year's Six bowl game on the table? Because you would have to think if we're ranked 20th now, we went out, we'd have to at least crack the top 12, potentially top nine. And is, does does that get us a bid into a New Year's Six bowl game? Um, I, you know, in, from from like all the technicality standpoints, I have no idea, but does would that pass the sniff test for you? Does that make sense? Or are you fine with being in one of these, you know, one step below New Year's Six bowl games and then just waxing a team like we did with LSU a couple of times over the last decade? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a have a inkling on that. So, if we're really looking at what what this is right now, TCU made the top four. Uh, Tennessee and Oregon five six USC seven. So that means we're beating a top seven team. We beat a top four team. You would have to think you move them up. Texas is there, LSU, Alabama, and Clemson, but they don't have good games left. So I, I really don't know what the CFP is going to do uh, in that regard. It, it could just be, you know, we, we get a very high-ranked non-New Year's Bowl, but that, that's all I could, uh, could think about there. I, I, I don't know. That I, <laughs> I'm, yeah, it's, mind, it's a wait-and-see thing. Yeah, it's too hard to say because there's so much more happening. Fair enough. Cool. So from there, we'll hop into the mailbag real quick. And then we'll go into Navy. We beat Clemson. Just want to make sure everyone knows that we we won and we beat Clemson. And you can be happy about that. I absolutely promise you will be okay if you enjoy that win. You are allowed. You are allowed to be happy that we beat Clemson. Let's see. I clicked the wrong one. Twitter for lot uh, for the web is not great. Uh, there we go. Found it. All right. Is Navy now a trap game? Yes. You think so? Because I mean. The next week would be BC. Like, if anything, BC would feel game. like the trap game. BC, if, couldn't, if BC couldn't find their way out of a paper bag. True. If we were showing the exit. Yeah. Man, oh, man. I would hate to be a team that had Phil Jerkovich as their QB. <laughs> Imagine being a podcast who rode, rode heavily for him. Yeah, couldn't be me. What an asshole. So it's either Navy or BC. One of them is a trap game, either after a big win or before a big win. So going down from there, is this week still about mutual respect? Yes. And, and okay, I, I wasn't going to mention it, but Notre Dame fans are being assholes. We don't want to play Navy. Take them off the schedule. And they're, they're just complaining. And Steve? Before I continue, we we weren't recording. Oh my god! Kidding. <laughs> That's the first recorded audio prank of the year. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
Sorry, I just wanted to hear. You all heard Steve's heart stop for a second. <laughs> I want you to look in my eyes right now. I, I turned on my camera for this. I'm using up my bandwidth. You motherfucker. <laughs> you almost made me shit a brick. All right. Anyway. Uh, yes, the week is about mutual respect. Be, you know, Navy kept Notre Dame afloat during World War II. And it's a game that should be on the schedule. Who cares that they run the triple option? Why take it off? What, why, what is the point of taking this game off the schedule? Yeah, I mean, if, if people are going to make the argument that it hurts our strength of schedule, you know, there's other teams that are not particularly fantastic that we schedule every year. Um, you know, Toledo, um, Bowling Green, right? Like there's other teams that, that we, we grab that are just like throwaways. Um, you know, we're not like, at the very least, we're not like Alabama playing Southwest, Northwest, Arkansas, State for the Blind, and, you know, in, in November, um, you know, Division 7. You know, so at least Navy's a Division 1 school. Um, and, and Hey, you know, Ken Niamantololo, I know he's not there anymore, but you know, back in his, in his heyday, uh, you know, within the past decade, he's had that team going like nine and three, 10 and two ranked in the top 25. So every once in a while, you know, Navy will, you know, kind of build themselves up and, uh, and, and have a pretty decent team. So, but less so about the strength of schedule more. So is this game about mutual respect? Absolutely. Yes, of course. Um, you know, we, we did highlight on Twitter, um, you know, for those listening who, who are not on Twitter, we encourage you to, to jump on and, and engage with us and, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Uh, but yeah, we, we did tweet out, you know, some connections and in, in the history and, and there, there was like the V12 program and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but yeah, you're exactly correct. Navy did us a solid. They kept the program alive. They kept the school alive and, uh, during world war two and, and yeah, and, and there's just something to be said for tradition. Uh, in, in a day and age where people are so quick to just throw the past away and uh, and completely disregard you know the people that came before them, um, you know th- there there is an inherent wisdom to the to the way that the world worked before you, and you're not the smartest person in the room at all times. Uh, there there were other great thinkers before you, and uh, and and they they need to be be honored. Um, you know, so take that. In, into as many aspects of your life as you so see fit, and and I think that Navy should should be honored. And as a rivalry game, keep it on the schedule. Correct. So that, that's my answer there. Uh, this one's from Abigail. She wrote us a note. Let's Love read. Abby. Referring back to your podcast preview for Clemson, you guys rightfully so went on a tangent poo-pooing at people who say Tommy can't develop quarterbacks. I did that on Twitter today, too. Um, do you think that there is this we hate Tommy tribe because they have trouble delineating the time between coaching and playing? Not that this is an excuse and those people can still go kick rocks, but I really wonder if people truly think Tommy has been in this program for the last 10 years for whatever reason, forgetting he went pro, LOL, then to Northwestern and to San Diego before coming back. Yeah, Short and then answer, also... Yeah. And also, so he came in, what, 2018, correct? 2017. 2017. So his recruits, would, you know, like, he, he still hasn't even had, like, all of his recruits yet. Because 2017, he was just an offensive analyst. When did he become OC, 19 or 20? 
20. Yeah. So as an OC, he, he you know, is in 2020 is when he be, that's when you, when he was really doing the majority of his recruiting and, and obviously had his offense. So he hasn't really had his guys come in yet. Like what? It, I don't even know if he signed Buckner. I think maybe Pine might might be one of his his guys that he recruited, but allegedly, but like at, at the same time, it, it, it's this whole whole thing where oh he doesn't develop quarterbacks. I I said it. There's a clear line between winning and developing. I could care less if you develop a quarterback if they win games. They could throw with their left foot for all I care if they win games. Yeah. I mean, he, he turned without recruiting Ian book, he inherited Ian book yep. and, and he turned Ian book into a two time playoff contender and the winningest QB in history. And, and yeah, obviously bookie had a team around him, but you know, three star kid out of California, six foot, 200 pounds. And he somehow made him an offensive weapon. Oh, but right, he, so, he didn't win the big game, Steve. He lost five games in his career. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to, to some of the, literally the greatest teams in f- fucking college football history, he uh, he lost. So, God God forbid, he played a, a team that had like 11 first-round picks, um, you know, a couple of years ago and, and lost to them by, le- by like, what, 13, 14 points? Covered the spread, by the way. Great teams cover. Not a big deal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I could see how people think that Tommy Reese can't, you know, develop a quarterback when he has, uh, you know, like t- you know, Ian Book in, in his uh, in his arsenal. And, um, you know, Pine is he's working through it. He has his moments of brilliance and he, he's he's he was thrust into a position where he frankly shouldn't have been the starter. But he's he's here and, and, and you just have to deal with what you got. And what has Tommy done with a guy who shouldn't even have been a starter this year? He's taken him to six and three, a top, you know, ranked number 20, a win over a top five team and uh, and potentially winning out nine and three. And, and you know, th- there's contention there. So uh, in, in terms of Tommy's ability to develop a QB, let's just get through this year. Let's let's see what how next year progresses. And then obviously we know we have CJ Carr coming in 2024, who actually just announced that he will not be reclassifying to the 23 class. So. Um, just let Tommy get his guys, you know, before you make those judgments. And from for the body of work that he's already had, I'd say it's been pretty impressive. Agreed. Uh, a couple other questions here that I'm not answering. Uh, is Tommy the long-term offensive coordinator? Should we pursue other options? Not answering that. Uh, and then this one, the guy just started yelling at us. <laughs> so I'm going to read it how he wrote it. Uh, who are the best offensive coordinators to bring in the NFL draft caliber QB recruits to develop to be first round NFL draft picks regularly and developing a passing game plan that can adjust to top defenses adjusting to our passing game and not shut it down 100%. I'm sorry if you were driving. Offensive gurus, Shamrock. <laughs> what? So what that was a lot. Part? There's like seven questions in there. I, I don't know how to answer any of them. Um, that, so Brady, I, I think Brady the general gist of it is what do you need to do to get an NFL caliber QB on a college roster? 
No, but you have to bring in the offensive coordinator to develop one. I don't know. I, I like that that Brady cat from LSU who was in there. Yeah, Joe know. Brady, um, who was in Carolina, might still be in Carolina. Um, that'd be nice to have him on the staff. Yeah, just bring him in. How about we bring Bill Belichick in? Why not? I don't. That, we don't know. They, people ask us these questions. I don't watch the NFL. I couldn't tell you who Bill Belichick is if I looked in the lineup and, and tried to figure it out. You asked I'm, me what the Detroit Lions coach is? I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I did just get a, a text from my close personal friend, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, he said that, you know, he's done with the NFL, wants to come back to college. And so I, I think I can convince him to just sign on and be an offensive analyst for the Irish. So oh, I'll, I'll use my connections for that one, guys. I, I, I don't get it. It's just, it's rough. Uh, those are our questions for the week. They sucked again, except for Abby's. Uh, so... <laughs> Do, do better, fans. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to Navy Week. Uh, I would be remiss to not mention it is Veterans Day on Friday. Uh, so we are playing the Naval Academy. Uh, just wanted to say that we are, we will be talking about Navy, maybe in not so nice terms because of their football, but we do respect the troops here at the Four Horsemen podcast. Uh, if you are a listener, thank you for your service. Uh, and just wanted to thank all our Navy, Army, Marine, Air Force, and Space Force veterans, uh, as well as the Coast Guard. So if you've served, thank you. Yep, I had veterans in my family, so uh, wholeheartedly agree. And shout out Grandpa P-Wagon because he he told me to say that. So he was the one who reminded <laughs> me. Uh, so let's talk about Navy. How many are enrolled in the school? Mm, 11,000. 4,576. I was going to say 4,000. Damn it. Hailing from Annapolis, Maryland. The head coach is Ken Niamahaloho, his 15th year. He's 108 and 81. Uh, he has been an assistant at Navy, UNLV, and Navy. We love the consistency, Ken. Uh, their mascot is Bill the Goat. Their colors are Navy blue and gold. Uh, they play in the AAC, which is weird. They're 13-78-1 against Notre Dame. They've never beat uh, a couple of teams, but one in particular has very much something to do with Notre Dame. They've never beat Marshall. Uh, still hurts to say that. Notable hmm. alumni. Uh, a bunch of Navy veterans. Three John Sidney McCains. David Robertson, the Admiral. Uh, the founder of Target, Montel Williams, Ross Perot. And Fucked up an election. He, he did indeed. Uh, yeah, that, those are the notable alumni. Uh, the, there's a ton of Naval Academy. Oh, and like my great uncle uh, graduated either from the Naval Academy or Naval Academy Prep School. I'm not, not really sure which, but uh, one, one of those two. Uh, so th those are the notable alumni. Navy itself, they run the triple option. They're very not good at defense. Uh, 119th in S&P Plus, 108th in scoring and total offense, 122nd in yards per play, uh, 90th in tackles for loss allowed, uh, 103rd in fumbles loss, and 87th in red zone scoring percentage. Uh, and then their defense is okay, 63rd in S&P Plus, 54th in scoring. Uh, seventh in Russian defense, 13th in yards per carry, sixth in Russian TDs are loud. 
Uh, they have seen the second fewest opponent rushing attempts uh, because people try to throw all over them. Uh, they are 114th in total pass defense and 124th in yards per play allowed. Uh, so that's that's what we got. The triple option is weird. They're going to be running a lot. I would be surprised if they throw. Uh, but we got to pour some turnovers, get the ball back, and have John Sop put him into, uh, you know, first and 10 from their three-yard line to get a safety. Yeah, I mean, so it, it is worth noting that, you know, in in their last five games, um, I mean, they got kind of stomped out by Cincy. Um, you know, they they only scored 10 points against them. But the rest of their games, they, they put up 53 points in a win against Tulsa. They put up 34 in a loss against SMU, 20 against Houston, and then uh, they put up 27 in an overtime win against uh, Temple. So it is a team, and, and that option, that triple option, it, it can you know catch teams off balance, uh, especially for ones that are not prepared. Luckily, uh, Notre Dame historically is prepared because we just see them obviously so often. The only thing I'm concerned with is, you know, how much experience is Al Golden seen of them? Um, you know, is is Marcus really going to use his experience uh, from this? Is is Reese even going to contribute and say, okay, this is you know kind of how things work, uh, and and throw his input into how to stop them? Um, I wouldn't doubt to see Navy put up 17 to 20 points in this game. Just because of those factors with Al Golden, this being probably his first or second time ever playing Navy. Um, but with that being said, obviously their defense is uh, nothing too spectacular. So, um, you know, Notre Dame should should obviously be, be favored here. But it, I want to set the expectation for people, don't have a panic attack if you see Notre Dame win like 41 to 20 as an example. Uh, so just doing a quick uh, fact checking for you, Al Golden has seen them uh, pretty often. So I has I will, okay at Temple and at Miami, uh, even you know back when he, at Boston College probably. I will get that stat for you uh, shortly. Uh, so we'll we'll continue on, but I will. I'm gonna just want to circle back to that in a little. Okay, bit. I I figured maybe at Temple he might have seen the Navy once or twice. I wasn't so certain about Miami, but. Um, but I mean, that's, that's good news. I mean, that's going to give us at least some momentum and maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know, but just something to be on the lookout for. Yes. So really, uh, overall, you have to build a big lead in this game. Uh, you have to get the guys to have a quarter plus of run and jelly Sneed, Payne, Gabara, get them real playing time, not garbage time make them play uh so that that would be the biggest concern i would say you you need to get them onto the field uh so that that's definitely what i would say a key to the game is navy navy definitely doesn't want to throw the ball so i hope ben benjamin morrison uh feasts a little bit we are going to be without uh, brandon J brandon jacobs brandon joseph uh he did hurt his ankle so with that uh, we could be out of safety there. Uh, I do think Notre Dame keeps them under 10 points, so we're alternating uh, thoughts in that regard. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be a quick game, uh, you know, hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> you, you could be done in theory. Uh, so that, that's kind of where I'm at there. Hopefully the weather is good uh, and we're able to just move on and, and get to the, the next week. 
as of now, I'm seeing this game is played at, in Baltimore at M&T right. Bank Stadium. Um, and that's going to be at 12 o'clock noons. And that's, uh, you know, obviously in Maryland. That's where Baltimore is. Always has been, in my opinion. <laughs> and I, I, I see uh, 52 degrees and partly sunny as of now, obviously subject to change. Um, and I see the Irish, by, you know, set by Caesar Sportsbook, over under is 41 and a half. And then uh, Irish are favored by 16 and a half in this one. And Al Golden was one and three at Temple uh, versus Navy. Uh, so that's, that's not great. But that's because Temple stinks. Temple was very bad. Uh, and the one year they won, they went to a bowl game. Uh, and then, so just getting back to that, he's seen him four times, lost him three times. But, you know, having a, head, uh, a defensive coordinator with head coach experience against the triple option, a lot of teams don't have that. So, and he can send as many double safety blitzes as he wants to. Nothing bad could happen. I, I mean, no, a lot of bad stuff could happen if Navy decides to throw <laughs> the ball. So <laughs> that's something to keep me up at night. But I, I do think we're going to see a home run play against with like Lindsey or Chris Tyree or even uh, Merriweather. I, I think there's going nice. to be a big home run. I'm not sure where, but there will be a home run. I, I think that we should have three home runs in this game. That's that we what sh- we should be striving for. I agree. Uh, and then if you look at Notre Dame's historical, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Record against uh, against <laughs> Navy. I, I couldn't think of the word record. It's definitely a Tuesday here. Uh, last year they did play them. Uh, in South Bend, they won 34 to six. The year before that, 52 to 20. The year before that, 44 22. The year before that, 24 17. We haven't lost to them uh, since that one point game uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, in 2016. Uh, and the last time before that was 2010. Uh, so really, uh, the Finns are looking up for the Irish. The current win streak is four. It'll be five after Saturday. Uh, I just think overall, Navy's a good team. They're not a great team. They are definitely a football team. Uh, so I don't have really too much to go off of them. They have a good fullback. Uh, he has like 500-something yards of offense this year, uh, so he's pretty good. Uh, but we also have bowling balls in the middle that can stop them. Uh, so if you can sink Navy, they're not bowl eligible. They lose this game. They're they're done. All they have left will be the Army-Navy game. Uh, so with that, it's a must-win for them. It's also a can't-lose for them. Yeah, I, you know that they're going to play hard. Service academies always do. Um, so, yeah, you, you're exactly correct in the point that you made prior, just to go full circle. Uh, blow this team out. Go, you know, go up 42 nothing at the halftime and, and then just put in the, uh, you know, put in the young guys, the freshmen, let them use one of their four games uh, and all that sort of stuff. Just uh, no injuries. Keep it clean. 12 o'clock noon, one more time. It's going to be in Baltimore, Maryland, M&T Bank Stadium, and that's going to be on ABC. So ABC. at least we don't have ABC, not NBC. So at least we're not going to have an insufferable booth uh, for this week. Um, I have no other closing thoughts. I mean, it, it's Navy. It is. They are who they are. Um, and then just uh, the the closing thoughts on the macro are, I told you so. We be Clemson. Uh, I'm happy and go Irish. How about you? Thank you, veteran. Beat Navy. Get to Boston College. Beat them. And then we got USC. We'll be a lot more. There'll be a lot more vitriol in our blood for the USC game. 
Uh, but for right now, let's get through the service academy win. Uh, let's bet the over because that's going to happen. And let's go win a football game. Go Irish. <laughs>